Yo, Jay, this is your boy John from colderice.com, and I'm checking out the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Dude, you are blowing them up. Keep doing what you do, man. I'm out of here. Peace. We have a great show for you this week. My friend Sean Collins, author and founder of Affiliate Summit, is here. We'll feature the CEO of a major corporation on the podcast of the week. We have a ton of great calls from all of you, a Sophie rap, and a hot song of the week. So let's podcast. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time this podcast finds you, welcome to episode number 41. I've been making a ton of new friends all over the place in Australia, Washington, D.C., Rockwell, Maryland, Miami, Atlanta, and Jupiter, Florida, and I hope many of you are listening. I have trips planned to Dallas, San Diego, L.A., NYC, and Vegas coming up. All the links are at 10goldenrules.com, and hopefully we could meet up at one of the conferences coming up in the, sh in the near future. We have some amazing audio for upcoming podcasts as well, including Lee Hopkins and Iconic88 from Australia. We interviewed at JetBlue.com's John Dowdy and podcaster extraordinaire Susan Bratton. So stay tuned for future shows. And as I mentioned off the top, we had a great conversation with Sean Collins, and he'll be coming up on this show. He's a superstar affiliate marketer and co-founder of Affiliate Summit. And if you want to know how to develop a virtual sales force for your company um, with affiliates who pay you per lead or per sale, you want to learn how to make money as an affiliate, stick around. Sean is absolutely one of the best. Now, there's been tons of exciting stuff happening in inter internet marketing the last few, few days, few weeks. Did you register your username at Facebook? Have you tried Ping, the new semantic search engine from Microsoft? They're promising to understand the meaning of words with semantics, also called Web 3.0. And they're trying with uh, understanding the base of the words that you're searching to deliver artificial intelligence. And that's the promise of Web 3.0 and Ping. Uh, most of us so far have been underwhelmed. Search guru Danny Sullivan went so far as to call it a rebranding of their live search product with no real improvements. How about Google Wave? Did you check that out? This could be really cool. Google opened up a new service to programmers at their developer conference, and basically they're going to let people build on top of the open architecture of that product. And Wave promises to bring together um, everything happening on your Gmail, your Android phone, your social networks, your pictures, your video. And if you want to check it out, there's a really neat video from the developers conference at wave.google.com. So there's a ton of crazy, wild, exciting stuff happening in the space for sure. Well, my favorite part of this show comes from all of you. I absolutely love it when I see a k7.net email in my inbox. Now, k7.net is the service we use so that you can call in to our podcast recording line 
and it records your comments and sends me an email from k7.net. So it's like a digital answering machine, and you can call anytime, 206-888-6606. So let's get right to the calls. First up, Eric Wolf. Hey, Jay. I was just catching up with you, listening to the last couple shows, and I watched the webcast. I really enjoyed it. I think if uh, any of the other listeners haven't taken a look at that. And the thing about the video stuff, I find, is that it takes my complete attention, so I can't multitask. I have to sit there and put the time aside, and it really interrupts my day much more than when you do an audio cast. You have to ask for feedback on the difference between the two. And I, I like your audio cast because I can listen to them multiple times while doing something. And if I hear something important, I can stop and take notes. But the video cast, I found it much more disruptive to my workflow for the day. Having said that, at the end of the video cast, there was a conversation about mystery. And I was really intrigued about this because I've been thinking a lot about this. I am, as your listeners may have heard me before, I'm a professional storyteller. And I have a podcast called The Art of Storytelling with Children, all about storytelling. And I, I listened to some people talking about successful podcasts and successful video casts. And one of the concepts that came out was that there are basically three forms of successful entertainment in the old style of media. And they are entertainment that is fear-based. So you're like afraid and you're watching what's going to happen next. It's a media that's basically curiosity-based or mystery-based. And the third type is sex. So there's some sort of sexual overtone or element and you, if you look at television today, any show you watch is going to be focused on one of these three or all three of these factors. And in new media, you see the same pattern starting to develop of people are, are participating because of some element of curiosity or mystery or they're, or they're participating because of some element of sexuality or, or they just are really invested in the characters and they're afraid of what's going to happen next or, they're, or they're just, their adrenaline gets charged up by the... Um, so anyway, this is too long. Sorry to take too long on your show. But the, my question really is, is in terms of mystery, how are people using that to draw people into their websites online? This is a fascinating idea of, of how do we – because there's a point where you offer someone something and then you take it away and the audience goes, well, that was rude. And there's a point where you offer something to them and then you take it away and they go, oh, wait, wait, I want more. Give me more. It was really good. And, and what's the line there? You know, I, I really want to hear more from this guy about this concept of mystery and advertising. It sounds really interesting and really exciting, the breaking wave of the future. Anyway, love the work you're doing, Jay. Look forward to hearing you on the show. Thanks so much, Eric, and thanks for calling our podcast line. Once again, that number, 206-888-6606. Call anytime. Give us your thoughts, comments, questions. Um, what Eric was talking about is a webcast we did. We called it the Thought Leaders Forum, and um, it takes place as episode number 39, two shows ago. And you can find that on iTunes if you just search 10 Golden Rules or at 10goldenrules.com and click on the podcast link and, and give a listen and a watch of episode number 39 because the slides are included on that webcast. We had some superstars of internet marketing like Mari Smith, the Facebook goddess, Richard Stanton from Bintro, David McInnes from PeoplePond, and the gentleman you spoke about was Rohith Bhargava, and he spoke all about mystery. And you can check out Rohith at the Influential Marketing blog. He is a great blogger and a really uh, inspirational mind in internet marketing. Wrote a great book called 
personality not included. That's Rohith Bhargava and Influential Marketing Blog. Next up, we have Ralph Mucci from The Wedding Cast. Hello, Jay. This is Ralph Mucci of The Wedding Planning Audio Cast talk radio show, www.theweddingplanningaudiocast.com. I've been listening to your show for at least 10 months now. I think you have a great show with a lot of great information. I have a question for you, something uh, very interesting. I got a call from one of my guests, and they said to me that the link that is in my show notes that is a direct link to their page is not a good link because it said it's written in Java and not in uh, HTML, and that uh, one of the Google's, that Google spiders will not pick it up. Uh, so I'm a little confused about that. Maybe you can clarify that. The link, again, is written in JavaScript, is, is what the SEO person is telling me from this company, and it should be written in HTML. It says that uh, the link is no benefit to them whatsoever because, again, the Google Spider will not be able to pick it up. This is news to me, so maybe you can uh, shed some light on it. Love the shows. Keep them up. They're great. Thank you. Hey, Ralph. Thanks so much for joining in. I think the link you're talking about, the problem might be that it looks like you've embedded a page or a code from a, a site called podcastpickle.com. And Podcast Pickle is one of many podcast directories that we list 10 golden rules on. And I'm sure that's where you're picking up the link. So that maybe you're using uh, Podcast Pickle as the feed. So the code that they generated, when you copy and paste that over to your site, does not come out as straightforward HTML. So really what you need to do is you need to um, sort of host the code ex actually on your site. You know, you need to put that link on your site as a straightforward HTML link. And, um, you know, I, I can tell because when I hover over the link, the link does not show up in the status bar. And also, if I look at the source code on your page, if you click on View and Source, the source code doesn't show a direct link. Now, for people who are wondering, why does it matter if you have a link to someone's website? Well, the benefit of a link is that the search engines see those links and they give you credit in their algorithm. And whenever you link to somebody else's website, you're giving them a little bit of love in Google and the other search engines. You're telling Google, hey, there's something great happening over at that website. So, you know, when somebody makes it onto the show, we put a link to their website. So uh, Ralph will be getting a link and um, Mr. Wolf will get a link to uh, the Art of Storytelling podcast. And we put those links up as straightforward HTML. The search engines can read them. They love them. So um, try a straightforward link and uh, perhaps that'll be the answer to your question. Next up, the social media swami with two calls, Shashi Belamkonda. Hi, Jay. This is Shashi Belamkonda. Even though I'm sitting right next to you, I want to ask a question on behalf of uh, Reality Lee on uh, Twitter. Any news about vanity URLs on Facebook and how Facebook credits will work? What are the app development opportunities for small business entrepreneurs with uh, Facebook pages? So that's the question from Reality Lee and hope you'll answer it in one of your podcasts. So, Hey, thanks, Shashi. So the, there's a, obviously a backstory to that one. Um, Shashi was kind enough when I was in D.C. to invite me over to Network Solutions to participate in their Lunch and Learn series. And I uh, presented my new presentation, Web 2010, Discover the 10 Strategies Defining Your Future. 
And after that, we did a little live video chat with some of their customers. And this question came in after we were off the air. So uh, I asked Shashi to just throw it on the podcast and we'd answer it in audio format because we didn't get a chance to do it in video. So Realty Lee, thanks so much for calling. Um, as many of you probably know, Facebook launched their vanity URLs. Um, I reserved facebook.com slash Berkowitz, and they came out at midnight this past Friday. So the way it works is if you have had a Facebook account before May 31st, you can claim your name, and I should I recommend you should go do that if you haven't already done it. And for more information on Facebook and Facebook pages, we did an interview with Mari Smith on episode number 36, and we also had Mari on the uh, Thought Leaders Forum on episode 39. Now, Facebook credits, you also asked about, and I'm not familiar with Facebook credits. I did do a quick Google search, and there are some promotions out there to get credits for advertising on, on Facebook. So basically, they're, they're like, you know, free dollar signs um, against your Facebook advertising. So maybe Google some of those and see if you can get started with Facebook. Thanks so much to Realty Lee for joining in. Thank you very much, Jay, for coming to Rockwell, Maryland and speaking to a lot of our friends here. And I'm sure everybody wants to thank you. Hi, Jay. This is Deborah Brody. I wanted to thank you for your presentation at Sox Stardom tonight. It was very interesting, and I also wanted to thank you for a presentation you gave years ago at the AMA down in Florida where you talked about the 10 golden rules of Internet marketing and the stuff that I learned during that presentation I still use to this day, especially stuff about always having a headline for a website and being able to look up source. So anyway, thank you, and just know that the stuff that you put out there does does come in handy to people. Bye. Well, thanks, Deborah and Shashi and everyone at Sox Stardom. It was a great group, a great night, and we all got to share a lot of uh, connections and networking. Um, Deborah, it was great to meet an old new friend. Um, do we have any other old friends out there lurking behind their iPods? Give us a call. What have you been up to? What tools are you using to make your internet marketing work more productively? Give us a call. 206-888-6606. All right, next up, a word on behalf of our sponsor. Hi, Jay. This is Theron McCullough with People Pond. Yeah, I use GoToMeeting all the time. It's very intuitive, very quick to use, and seems to be really solid. I'm happy with it. I'm Tim Theron with PeoplePond. Hope you're doing well, Jay. Hey, Theron. Thanks so much for uh, playing the role of sponsor testimonial. As uh, those of you who listen to the show know, GoToMeeting is a great tool. We use it a ton of times every week at 10 Golden Rules. And I like the product so much, I asked them to sponsor our podcast. And what I ask you all to do is if you have ever been a part of a GoToMeeting um, conference call or live webinar, give us a call. Let us know how it worked for you, and you can become part of a live um, testimonial just the way that Theron did. Um, we are big fans of GoToMeeting over at 10 Golden Rules, and they were kind enough to give us the best offer on the internet, which is a free 45-day trial. If you want to check out how to run a meeting where you can show your computer screen and get a free conference call number, go to gotomeeting.com and put in the keyword GOLDEN. The code word is golden, and you'll get a 45-day trial 
It's the best offer on the internet. Well, let's get right into our feature interview today. Sean Collins is a rare person you meet in business. He's an extremely down-to-earth guy. I've never met anyone who doesn't have uh, anything but the best things to say about Sean. We sat down over dinner while we were both attending another trade show called Search Engine Strategies in New York City. We went through a list that I developed from Sean's book, and I've used this list for for about seven years. It's called My 10 Strategies for Managing an Affiliate Program. Sean added a ton of great ideas, many of which we've already put into place for the programs we manage at 10 Golden Rules. So as this is a 10 list, let's uh, hear from our official 10 Golden Rules songstress, Natalie Gelman. 10 Golden Rules for all your internet marketing needs. One, two, three, four. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten golden rules. So we, I, I always play the uh, the ten song from Natalie when we're going to do a ten list. So we're going to go through ten ways to manage an affiliate program. We also talked about Sean's podcast that he does with Lisa Piccarelli called That Affiliate Thing, his blog and Twitter ID affiliate tip, and we covered his amazing trade show that he co-founded with Missy Ward called Affiliate Summit. We got through a bunch of tools that Sean uses, and trust me, he is a really leading-edge internet marketer and a totally cutting-edge affiliate marketer. So without further ado, Mr. Sean Collins. So this is really cool because I'm here with Sean Collins, and you guys know him because he's called in a few times, and a lot of you probably know him as the co-founder of Affiliate Summit and the producer of a bunch of great content some great podcasts and I've recommended them before. I think you've been the podcast of the week, right? Yeah, I was very flattered to have that distinction. And uh, Sean's a great guy and we've been friends for a long time and I'm really happy to have the chance to sit down with him. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Jay. Great to be here. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, unless you want me to try and do it. Um, I'll give it a shot. I guess I've been in affiliate marketing since 1997. I sort of fell into it backwards. I, I was looking for a job, and I took a job with a startup who was trying to emulate Amazon, and they were looking for a person to run their affiliate program. And I, I didn't have any marketing experience, and they didn't have much money, so it was a good combination there. And they let me come in there and just sort of learn it and figure it out. And I, I just sort of developed a lot of principles on how to run an affiliate program just because I had to. It was either that or not have a job. And so from there on, I had a succession of different jobs managing affiliate programs. So for the last 12 years, I've been... Up until last year, I've been managing affiliate programs, and I've been an affiliate since 97. Starting about five, six years ago, I started running Affiliate Summit. I guess that brings us up to today. I'm still an affiliate after all these years, and, and Affiliate Summit's having our 13th show this coming August in New York. You guys have heard me talk about Affiliate Summit, and we broadcast shows from Affiliate Summit, and the show's really, really great. If you want to get a really good foundation, not just in affiliate, but in internet marketing, it's a great show to go to, and the show's grown from maybe 100 people the first time, or... Yeah, we, we had about 200 people the first time. This is back in November 2003. And most recently, our 12th show in Las Vegas, we had about 3,300. So it's a, it's been very nice, very satisfying growth. And also, we're very excited about the strength of the industry because a lot of people are saying that conferences are getting smaller because of the recession. But we actually had grown by 10% or so from our previous year. That's awesome. Congratulations. And it's a really great show, and I think you guys can already sense that a big part of why it's been so successful 
is because Sean and, and his partner Missy are really down to earth, you know, real people. That's part of why the show it, ha- it has a really authentic personality. Is, do you want to add to that at all? Yeah, I guess part of our sort of tagline is that it's by affiliates for affiliates. So, like, instead of in a lot of cases, the conferences are run by some kind of corporate entity. In our case, we're actually we're practicing affiliate marketing ourselves. I both myself and Missy are affiliates, and I I was an affiliate manager until about a year ago, and Missy is currently an affiliate manager. So we actually walk the walk, and we we can really understand what's going on in the industry, and we, we're players in the industry. So we're not just sort of pedestrians are trying to talk about this stuff. We we actually do it ourselves. So back at eDiets, I was managing our marketing program, and I was assigned our affiliate program, which was previously run by the sales group. I was fortunate enough, one of our guys in the office had Sean's book called Successful Affiliate Managers, or what's the actual title? Successful Affiliate Marketing for Merchants. I was close. <laughs> I knew there was an M in it. It was a great, great book. I absolutely devoured it. It's actually one of the first books in this industry, well, that existed, because you wrote it eight years ago, right? Yeah. 2000? Yeah, it was quite some time ago, and and basically it was almost to a degree like a diary of my experiences because I I just really had to make up different ways to run an affiliate program because there weren't blogs back then, no podcasts. There were even back then there weren't really any forums. There was just really no guidance to do it, so I just sort of had to make things up as I went along, and I just sort of chronicled those experiences. So I absolutely devoured the book. Our affiliate program took off, and it went from being like two percent of our sales to fifteen percent of our sales, and we followed all of the principles, and so. I've actually been teaching Sean's principles, and he didn't know that until about 10 minutes ago. I'm going to quiz him on what I distilled as 10 strategies for affiliate marketing that came from your book. So the first one is selecting the right solution, and you need some technology in order to be able to do the affiliate management. You want to talk a little bit about how to do that? Yeah, one thing I see a lot of times, people, they want to go into it sort of cheap because they're not really sure if they want to go into affiliate marketing long term, so they're sort of tempted to go with maybe like a a cheap software solution, and I'd really recommend that they go with somebody who they see as a long-term partner as a technology, something along the lines of like a Commission Junction, LinkShare, Google, ShareSale, and these companies, they, they, they're they more than just getting an off-the-shelf software, but they're sturdy partners that have been around for a while, and they have very respected solutions as far as tracking and reporting with the affiliates, so it's it, you get what you pay for when it comes to the tracking, so definitely it's some, an area you don't want to really skimp on. You can also do your own affiliate program, right? You can have your own back-end software. What are some of those solutions? Yeah, there's um, one of the biggest ones is iDev Affiliate. But the, the one thing there to consider is that if you're looking at one of the affiliate networks, which are going to be more expensive, but they also you have sort of a built-in core of affiliates there because these companies have been around for 5, 7, 10 years. So a lot of affiliates are, have joined them, and they actually they already use that technology. Whereas if you just get a, a software like iDev Affiliate, then you've got to recruit everybody from scratch and you have to sell them on using your technology versus a trusted platform they're already working with. The next thing is your affiliate agreement. You need a strong agreement so that you protect things. For example, like you might not want pay-per-click affiliates bidding on your brand name and you want to spell that out right in advance so that people aren't doing things that you don't want them doing. Yes, absolutely. I would definitely recommend also with the agreement just writing it sort of in common English terms as possible instead of having it in legalese because once affiliates start reading it and if they see that it's essentially even though it's in English but it's in like legal English it's tough for people to really devour so make it as explicit as possible about your terms whether or not they can bid on your brand name and really anything else because you, you don't want them to unnecessarily just because they didn't understand what they were doing break your terms because 
in most cases, affiliates aren't going to be maliciously bidding on your terms, but they if they don't understand what your terms are, then that can lead to problems. So just make it as clear as possible, and that, that just stems any kind of confusion down the road. Third rule I said is invite everyone, but pick carefully. So you want to get a broad net out there to capture lots of opportunity, but you also don't want like spammers out of Sri Lanka, right? Yeah, exactly. So you want to go out there and, and promote the affiliate program like crazy, but then have a manual review of all of the applicants because you're going to have people that they're going to test affiliate programs, and if you have automatic approval, that sort of gives them the indication that you're asleep at the switch, and it's a place where they might be able to exploit and maybe try to rip you off in some different ways. So have a manual approval process and enforce certain criteria. Like there are some things I did in the past were to just look up the who is and to see who registered a domain to see if it's private or if it's public and to see if the person who registered that domain is actually the person that's the affiliate and also if their dom- if their email matches the domain some little simple things like that and also just take a sort of a cursory look at their website and see if it seems like it's been around for a while or if it it's just like some kind of thing they threw up in the last two days if somebody just a, has a brand new site it's probably more than likely that they're trying to do something shady with you so you want to perform some due diligence on each affiliate and it's tempting to skip that because it it takes some time, but it's definitely worthwhile because in the end, if you're sort of lax and you let any affiliate in there, you're opening yourself up not only to possible fraud, but also some liabilities with spam, with canned spam. You don't want the FTC coming and knocking on your door. Just some brand liabilities. You don't want somebody putting out some kind of crazy creative that people assume is on your behalf when it's not. So you should really scrutinize people on the front end, and it makes things a lot easier on the back end. That's great. And the fourth one is actually develop great creative and keep it refreshed. Yeah, one thing I see all too often, it was common back in eight, ten years ago to have just like a, a few text links and some banners and like 468 by 60 pixels. But now affiliates really desire a lot more and they require a lot more. The thing um, I would just really recommend is to just have your ear open there and say that if there's a size you don't see here for a, a banner or, or a button or whatever, let me know and I'll make it for you. But then also have different other alternatives. If, you have a, if you're selling some kind of line of products have an API out there, so a whole product feed so they can create a website around all of your different products. Also, if at all possible, make some options available for them to promote you by video, mobile, any different option that is there is out there. Also, if you have any kind of written content, make that available to them. Give them as much as you can possibly can because there are different affiliates. There are affiliates pretty much in every different kind of every color and stripe, so give them as much creative as possible and let them run with it. The next one is to be accessible, be available to the affiliates. Yeah, absolutely. One thing, I and being an affiliate for so long, I sort of see it as a red flag whenever I apply to an affiliate program and the welcome letter is just signed from like the XYZ affiliate program versus Joe Smith. I think it's, it's a great practice that I've always done as an affiliate manager is to provide my phone number, my email, my fax, not that anybody's saying your fax really, but if they have to for a contract or something. Today it would include your Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah and these days your Twitter, your AIM, Yahoo, MSN, if you had any of those addresses, just make yourself as accessible as possible because these are people who... Do the people, people still that, use AIM? I still use AIM. I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, it's become a Twitter world, especially like at these conferences, right? Yeah, so definitely these days be accessible by Twitter and Facebook. Those are probably two of the biggest ways that people reach me these days just be as accessible as possible because the affiliates that want to contact you they're engaged and they want to promote you and make money for you and for them so don't push them away the next one is to assign a full-time program manager and this is something that companies often overlook and that's one of the things we made work really well at e-diets we made it a half of someone's job and then made it a full-time job yeah i've seen all too often that companies are apprehensive about 
just uh, applying the resources of a full-time person to come there and run the affiliate program. So they'll have somebody, maybe an intern or somebody who is just putting 10% of their day into the affiliate program, then they wonder why it's not working. And it's um, the thing is that an affiliate program is not necessarily as scalable as some other different marketing programs. It's something where it's, it's all about relationships. So if you don't have somebody there attending to the relationships, it's just not going to succeed, not going to grow. So you really need a person there full-time to run this operation. The next one I learned at eDiets, and I call it the 90-10 rule, and it's a derivation of the 80-20 rule. And the Pareto principle says that 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers. And I find in most affiliate programs, in fact, most internet marketing programs, it's the exaggerated version of Pareto, where 90% of your revenue is going to come from 10% of your affiliates. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen it even a lot more extreme than that, unfortunately, where some people settle for maybe 98 too. But I think there are one big reason there is that people think that it's all about just recruiting the affiliates and that's the end of the story. But they should really consider it sort of a three-pronged process where you recruit them, then you activate them, and after that you provide ongoing education. So after they even get in the door, you have to do some kind of process, maybe some emails, some phone calls, different things to make sure they're active and they're engaged in your affiliate program. Then on an ongoing basis, provide them resources and just always, and part of that goes back to just being available to them, but, but just constantly educate them about new trends and different, different things going on just so you're always there for them. Because if you just recruit them and then just never bother them again, then they're going to be very content to never be active for you. So you'll, you'll have maybe 2%, 5%, 10% active. But if you actually go out there and engage them, then you can actually see maybe 20%, 25% active. And, and one quick thing that I did... In the past, after people would join up, maybe every two weeks or monthly, I would do a postcard mailing. So I would just send it out, just welcome them to the affiliate program and just have some of the different reasons why they should promote it and, and get more active with the affiliate program. And I would oftentimes either follow that up with an email or a phone call, just say, like, feel free, the, the lines of communication are open. Just anytime you want, just contact me and I'm here for you. I, I can help you anyway. Because if you don't provide this basic element of communication, then people just are going to just, they have, I mean, realistically, they have about thousands of options to promote besides you so don't give them reason for that be as accessible as possible and provide them the tools they need you actually jumped into number eight on my list which is communication and innovation you know communicate often with the affiliates create an e-newsletter hold monthly affiliate webinars to teach them what's working and teach them more about your brand bring your brand managers on to teach them about the product because knowledge is power for affiliates you know they're actually out there as your virtual sales force Absolutely. One thing is you can look towards your competition, see what they're doing, and, and so I'd recommend becoming an affiliate yourself and a true affiliate so you can join their affiliate programs and learn what they're doing that's successful, but also just innovate and do things yourself. Like one thing I did, and um, part of it was aided by the fact that I was located in New York City, but I, I availed myself and said that anytime any of you are in New York on vacation or whatever, visiting family, you're welcome to come by my office. I was at clubmom.com at the time. And be love to. I'll take you out to lunch or have coffee or whatever. And typically, a dozen different affiliates a year would come over and do that. And it was great for our relationship. It really fostered a, a tighter bond with us. So it's something like that. Do things that they aren't getting from other companies because it really stands out. The next one I call "Read the Trends." It's a, an adaption of "Lead the Trends," which is one of the ten golden rules. But staying up on your reading, participating in forums, and also following people like Sean on Twitter and on, on his blog and his videos because there's so much great content out there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely you have to be engaged, so not only accessible by the various lines of communication like email and Twitter and things, but also be out there on all of the main forums and 
if you can at all possible have a blog for the affiliate program where the affiliates can comment on there and communicate with you and have an area in Facebook where they can get in touch with you and Twitter and just, just be any kind of sort of new media, take advantage of that and make it an avenue where they can reach you. And also, don't be afraid to use video to communicate with them. That's one thing that I found very effective. Very few affiliate managers really are willing to go out there and make a video. So, so be the different affiliate manager. Go out there and make a weekly video newsletter instead of just going with a typical text newsletter. And it, it really cuts through the clutter and has a big impact. It's a great idea. And the final one, number 10, pay frequently, fairly, and most. Yeah, one of the biggest reasons why affiliates would stop promoting you is if they're not getting their checks on time. So it's essential that you, when you set a schedule, and, and you're, signing, you're essentially making a legal contract when you have that affiliate agreement, you're telling them they're going to be paid on a certain date. So if you default on that, you're going to lose their trust, and you're going to lose a valuable salesperson. So definitely do that. And also, it's a huge thing to be able to, if at all possible, within your margins, to pay more than your competition. So that's another reason why you should join them as an affiliate to know what they're paying and know what their conversion rates are so you can sort of use that against them. Go out there and, and a lot of, in a lot of cases, and that actually um, it ties into another thing where when you're promoting your, your actual compensation, you should make it, your high-end compensation shouldn't be what you're advertising. Say if the most you can possibly pay is 10%, advertise 7%. So when you're recruiting affiliates, explain to them that they're so important to you and you want to work with them as partners that you've actually gotten special permission to pay them another 3%. So... While everybody else gets 7%, you're going to do a special deal with them and give them 10%, and, and that kind of perceived bonus goes a long way with them. So I'll just wrap up and just jump in quickly if you want to add to anything we didn't have. Number one, selecting the right solution to manage the program. What about Direct Track? Yeah, Direct Track is geared more towards if you want to run your own network, so a CPA network, sort of like Azugle ads or just hundreds or 50, 100 of them. But so if you're just running your own single affiliate program, it's, it's more focused on the other technologies like a commission junction or a share sale, link share, Google. Number two, your affiliate agreement's important. I think we covered that one pretty well, right? Invite everyone, pick carefully. So it really opened my eyes about looking at the who is information on the domain and watching out for the guys who just launched a domain. That's a good way to pick yeah. a spammer. And one thing that you should definitely pay attention to there is that one of the tricks that people have done in the past is that they sometimes, people that are located in China, they would just go out and they would find somebody's address in the phone book, like say they look at John Smith in San Francisco, they would apply as him. Then two days before you're about to cut the checks, they go in and they change the contact information so that it's so-and-so based in Shanghai, and they try to get you to send the check there. And if you're not paying attention, you have a, like your payroll office is doing that. They have no idea that that's fishy. So be sure you're on top of that's a good one. Yeah, who's making money and if that information changed at the last second. Uh, make it easy to find great creative. We covered that. Be accessible. Assign a full-time program manager, really important. Number seven, embrace the 90-10 rule. Number eight, communication and innovation. And Sean had some great ideas. Visiting the forums like A Best Web. And number 10, paying frequently, fairly, and most. Now, to a certain extent, I, you know, I told Sean that I wanted to do this because I loved his book and you know, it helped me have a big success in my career. And we've used these principles to manage a lot of programs at 10 Golden Rules, and we, we continue to do that. So thanks again for your book, Sean, and, and everything I've learned from you. But I think I'm selling Sean a little bit short because as he's been applying all these principles, he's become a really great social media marketer. He does more video than almost anyone I know. He does a couple podcasts. So why don't you just talk about some of the things that you think are working really well in social media today? I guess one thing, just some different elements with video. Just at the conference we're at today, I was speaking with some people who regard themselves as video experts. One thing I found very effective for me when I do video 
and I upload it to YouTube and various places, is that in the description it's a, a place where you have an, a search engine op- optimization opportunity that people don't take advantage of. I'll always start my description as Sean Collins of, and I'll put my URL there because it becomes a live URL in the description. And I see a lot of people who regard themselves as experts not doing that, but I, I see usually it's about one of my top five referrers of traffic are coming from these URLs in YouTube that a lot of people aren't bothering to insert. Also putting the actual web address in the physical description of the video. Yeah. That's not the audio recording. Yeah, that's yeah, something in just in the in the video description on YouTube, and it's a, an opportunity to get traffic that people are overlooking and not really taking advantage of. But I think I learned a good one today in the video panel. You should also put video in the description so that when someone searches for affiliate video, you have it in the description. Yeah, I was sort of wondering about that because I I figured it's sort of redundant though. I guess if you're if people are searching Google to find you, but I since YouTube is the number two search engine and people are sort of likely there looking for the videos, I sort of wonder if. Like if they if you put if they're searching for video then it's gonna be sort of a limited result. I think it's just keyword relevance though, right? Yeah. So if you've got affiliate video. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, I guess. I and the, your video is titled affiliate video. It's more relevant than the video that's just called affiliate marketing ideas. Yeah, usually I, I mean, I guess you have a, a finite number of characters, so usually I'm trying to optimize those as much as possible. So. I guess giving up those extra six characters for the space and then video, sometimes it's a valuable piece of real estate. But um, but also I guess that it's hugely important to, I guess we didn't touch on it too much, but to protect and promote your brand on Twitter for an affiliate program. And so pretty much every affiliate network and many affiliate programs have a Twitter account. And one very easy thing to do is if you have an affiliate blog where you communicate with your affiliates, you can just use twitterfeed.com and just have every one of your blog posts automatically go to Twitter. So if your affiliates are following you, they can automatically get alerted to any of your latest blog posts and get the, the latest news right in Twitter. That's a great idea. Talk about podcasting for a minute. Those of us listening to the show and recording the show love podcasting. And the rest of the world hasn't figured it out. Why do you think that is and how can we make that happen? I think part of it is that people are just sort of intimidated. Like right now, we're speaking together on this little digital recorder. I think people don't even know where to find this or that this even exists. They don't realize how easy it is. And I oftentimes record my podcasts just with Skype and a program called Pamela. And it's a lot easier than people assume. Sort of similar to video, I think people are intimidated by both audio and video because they don't know exactly how easy it is. And I, I think that's one thing that could be a huge thing for any affiliate program. If Affiliate Magic just spent five minutes a week on one take just to give a recap of what's going on, what's hot in their affiliate program, maybe like what the top five offers are, and just get their affiliates to download that to their iPods, and they just they can communicate so easily to the affiliates in one an extra medium that they're not doing because I've literally never seen an affiliate program using a podcast, so whoever's listening here can be the first person to do that and be a pioneer and have a big impact. Another idea is the way we take the calls on the show is a product called k7.net, the letter K, the number 7, dot net, and they'll give you a free account with a free phone number People call the phone number, and you just get emailed an MP3 of their phone message. And so you could take questions from your affiliates, and you'd have content every week. Yeah, one thing tied to that, I guess, I'm not sure if it's something where you're able to save the audio, but just recently, Grand Central from Google became Google Audio, Google Phone. Is that what it's called now? You can have it so that basically it routes to multiple phones. So if you want to be a very responsive affiliate manager, you can have the Google Voice or Google Phone, whatever it's called, pointing to not only your office phone, but maybe your cell phone in different places, your home phone. So you can be very responsive. But a, a very cool thing they have just recently is that they have free transcription. So today I just got, for the first time, an email of somebody's message they left me. So it's something where you can be very easily responsive to somebody. You can send them an email back when you get a voicemail from them. And so it's just an extra dynamic to provide to the affiliates where you can just be accessible. And it's just a, a great tool That's to use. Cool. That's really cool. Sean, the final question, and I should try and see if you can answer this without me asking it because I know you listen to every show. <laughs> But I ask people a two-part question. What blogs are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? 
And then the second part is, are there any new technologies that you're using to make your internet either more fun or more easy and user accessible for yourself? Yeah, I guess as far as the blogs, they're, they're all sort of affiliate marketing centric. The ones that I go to on a regular basis are revenues.com, R-E-V-E news.com, jangro.com, J-A-N-G-R-O.com, jimkukrell.com, of course, 10 golden rules. Thank you. <laughs> he said and, that with a big smile. <laughs> and for the podcast, I'm sort of biased since since I have the site geekcast.fm, but we have about 20 podcasts on there. And that's uh, G E E K cast.fm. I listen to all the shows that are on there. A lot of them are focused on affiliate marketing. So outside of that, pretty much the only podcast that I podcast slash video cast that I listen to is Dignation, which is great if you're, you're into like different tech trends and it's like a, a funny, entertaining show. So I like that a lot. I find that very entertaining. I, I saw a Twitter from Jason Calacanis the other day. And Calacanis and Kevin Rose were on Twit live on Sunday. And it was a really good show, actually. Yeah. A lot of the repartee. Yeah, so yeah, if you're not familiar, like the Dignations, Kevin Rose from Dig and Alex Albrecht. And it's a very entertaining show. But Twit is This Week in Tech. Oh, yeah. It's a video cast and podcast put out by Leo Laporte. With a panel of experts. I shouldn't just throw that out. Yeah. As far as the my favorite sort of tool or resource these days, I'd have to say it's TweetLater, at TweetLater.com. It's a thing where you can do a number of different things on Twitter. The, I guess the original function there was that you could put a, a tweet in there and you could have it just post at a later date, a couple hours later or many hours later. But I, I don't really use it for that purpose. The, the best thing there is they have a keyword alert, sort of like anybody that's familiar with Google Alerts, but it's for Twitter. So I subscribe to about 20 keywords, and I get emails every four hours or so from TweetLater where they say that if somebody that I'm not following on Twitter mentions one of my company or a keyword that's important to me or, or my username so that I can quickly respond to them. And, and they, they have a free version and a paid version, but the free version is very sufficient. That's great. Maybe you want to wrap up and tell us where to find you. Two easiest places to find me are I have a blog where I've been, I blog daily seven days a week for many years at blog.affiliatetip.com and then also at twitter.com slash affiliate tip and pretty much any different social network kind of site affiliate tip is always my username so you can find me on YouTube and stumble upon like everywhere it's always affiliate tip well, Sean this was a real pleasure I'm glad we could finally make this happen of course we could never find time during affiliate summit yeah thanks a lot Jay it was a great pleasure to be with you here well, thanks, Sean. I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as I did. And I hope you took notes because I'm using about six things I learned from Sean and listening to some of the podcasts and feeds and whatnot. So next up is our blog or podcast of the week. Now, this podcast is really cool because the CEO of a major, major organization actually serves as the host of the podcast. He runs the show, he interviews his co-hosts, and he does a really, really great job. So, the winner of our coveted blog or podcast of the week is the NHL Hour, featuring National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Now, Gary took a lot of heat when the NHL shut down for a season about five years ago. But in fairness, I think the game came out of the lockout about 200% better. The salary cap made the NHL more competitive and a cross-functional group organized by star player Brendan Shanahan led the way to a number of rule changes to speed up the game and return it to the fastest sport in the world. We just enjoyed a tremendous year and a tremendous playoffs, a fantastic finals won by Sid Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
So uh, I think hockey's back better than it ever was. And this podcast is really, really unique because, you know, I don't think there's another podcast where the CEO of a major corporation is, he actually serves as the host. So anyways, give a listen. Let me know what you you think. Um, Here is uh, Mr. Bettman with the NHL Hour podcast. Here's a little edited sample. Um, Enjoy. Time now for NHL Hour with Commissioner Gary Bettman on NHL Home Ice. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the NHL Hour. Gary Bettman, along with a special guest co-host. You got paid extra for this? E.J. Raddick. No, you don't want to know. No, you don't want to know. I I don't want to know either. My family doesn't want to know. Nobody wants to know. E.J. from ESPN, the magazine. Welcome back to the NHL Hour. Gary Bettman along with E.J. Raddick, and we'll get back to your call soon. But first, we have a special guest on the line, one of the true legends of our game, Mr. Stan Mikita, played 22 seasons from 58-59 to 79-80, almost 1,400 games in the playoffs, 155 games, won the Art Ross four times in five seasons, Stanley Cup champion in 60-61, Hart Trophy winner in 67 and 68, Lady Bing in 67 and 68, first team All-Star six times, and the Lester Patrick Award. Stan Makita, how are you? I'm, I'm out of breath listening to all that stuff. What, where did you get all that, Mr. Bevan? You know, first of all, it's Gary. You know that. And secondly, Frank Brown and, and the others here, not that I needed much background on you, because I'm going to ask you a bizarre question before we get started, but everybody knows what a great player you are in this game. So how did you get mixed up with the Wayne's World movie? <laughs> uh, well, it was easy. They needed uh, somebody who had never been in the movies before. Now, they, they called me, I, I think uh, it was because Tim Horton's Donuts was up in uh, up in Canada where Mike Myers grew up. Yep. And unfortunately, they said, we're, we're going most of our audience is going to be in the United States. So they said, let's look for someplace in Aurora, in Aurora is the name of the town, in the United States somewhere. So uh, I think just looking up myself as to where some of these places might have been, there's almost every, every state almost has one Aurora in it. So uh, they had mentioned, well, there's one outside of Chicago, about 50 miles. Great. Call Makita and see if he'd be interested in this. Instead of So instead of Tim Horton Donuts, they, it became Stan Makita Donuts. Uh, but you 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 went from from being heavily penalized early on, and then you won the Lady Bing twice. How do you explain that gentlemanly conduct in light of what you just described as your beginnings in the game? I, one day, uh, if if we have time, I've got a quick story. Our daughter Meg was I think five or six at the time, and we came home from New York uh, the next morning after we played a game there, and the game was televised on WGN here with Lloyd Pettit. I think we can all remember him. Anyway, as I got to the door about 10 o'clock in the morning, she came running. I was, oh, daddy, daddy. She said, mommy, let me stay up and watch the first period of your, your game last night. And she said, you were so wonderful. I said, well, thank you very much. But, you know, why do you say that? She said, well, uh, you know, you, you kept getting your name called out there and so on. But she said, there's one thing I didn't quite understand. Why was it that you and Uncle Bobby, meaning Bobby Hall, Uncle Ab McDonald and, and Uncle Kenny Warham and so on, 
She said, when, when that guy with the stripes blew the whistle, they all went over and sat with all their friends. And when and he said he pointed at you and he made you go all the way across the ice and sit by yourself. <laughs> you know why was that? And that kind of came out and hit me as to what I was doing. So what I did was I came out uh, to, to myself and just said, "Play under the rules and keep your mouth shut with the referees and uh, do a little more uh, hard work like skating when, in, instead of hooking and, and holding and instead of slapping those, the guys in the hands and so on." So I, I did that, and lo and behold. The first year, I had, I think, two penalties, so four minutes of penalties after being up to 160 minutes, I think it was. That's incredible. And, uh, and that, that, that was basically the start of it. That's incredible. One more question, then I'll let you go. Most people, younger people, don't know that you've been given credit for developing the banana blade curved stick that became so popular. Is there a story behind that? Well, it's all good uh, things that come out at the end, good inventions. They're all made out by mistake, and this was one of them. This was by accident. Very quickly, I got uh, hit into the boards one day at practice during our scrimmage. My stick went into the into the boards where the, the gate opens up, and somebody was just closing it, and my stick got caught in there. And as I was going by, the guy pushed me a little further, and I could hear a crack. Now, I don't know if it was my rib cracking or what the heck it was, but anyway, I went to pull my stick out, and I couldn't because now it was jammed in there. So uh, somebody opened the gate, and they said, here, Stanley, let's, let's see if you can get it out now. So I did, and because of the lamination of the blade, the blade of the stick itself cracked on the back end, which I would say, which would be my backhand side, and uh, the stick was still in pretty good uh, shape as far as using it. But I, know, I knew it was going to crack very shortly, and in the old Chicago Stadium, the uh, dressing room was way down, 21 stairs, by the way, it was down to, to the rink. And then I had to walk 21 back up again during the, the end of this practice. And I, and I got a little upset, so I, I shot some pucks against the boards in, in uh, you know, being a little hot that I had to go through all this. And I heard the different sound, and I, and I looked at it, and it, was a di- it felt like a different velocity on the puck. So I stayed out and, and whacked a few more shots and broke the stick and then forgot about it until after I showered and I came back out. I said, let me see if I can really bend one and, and try it and then practice and see what happens. Well... The rest is history. Bobby came along, and I had to make him one, and he kind of made it famous, but apparently I've been accused of uh, inventing it. So I apologize to the little kids because I think I still think the kids should learn both the forehand and backhand, but it's tough to do with a curved stick. Thank you, Stan, for being with us. Not only were you a great player on the ice, you've always been and are the consummate ambassador for our game off the ice, and it's great to have you with us. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Bedwin. Always nice to talk to you. And EJ, nice talking to you, sir. All right. Thanks, Dan. For more podcasts, check out NHL.com. This is NHL Radio. So that's a little bit unique and really well done. Kudos to the NHL and Gary Bettman and the rest of the team over there. Congratulations. You are the 10 Golden Rules bi-monthly podcast of the week. So... We're calling this Internet Superstars Month on the podcast. Next up, we'll go to Australia with the amazing Lee Hopkins and we'll reveal the secret identity of Twitter superhero Iconic88. Coming up after that, we'll meet the man behind at JetBlue on Twitter and we'll meet Susan Bratton. So if you want to hear these future shows, please subscribe over at iTunes. And if you don't want to miss these great guests... You can uh, do that through a subscription on iTunes or one of the other podcast subscription services. So 
also, I'd love you to join in. Give us a call, 206-888-6606. Ask a question. Tell us about exciting new projects you're working on. Share new tools, technologies, um, things that are making your internet life easier for you. And of course, we'd all love to know about new stuff that's just uh, breaking it out for you. And call that number anytime. The system will digitize your call and it sends me the MP3 and I can play it like the examples you heard at the, tar- at the start of the show. We have two songs to wrap up for. Um, this week, the first one is a Sophie rap by Warren Corpus. He also goes by the name of Warren G. And the, the audio is pretty bad, and Warren says that he tried to put some reverb on there. But just for fun, let's listen to the Sophie rap, and Warren is going to do a new rap for us, so hopefully we'll get that in the next couple shows. And we're going to wrap up with a song called Have You Googled Yourself Today by an artist called The Consultant. Thank you so much for listening. Let's rock out with Warren G., and the consultant. Have a great week, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call-in line 206-888-6606. This podcast is produced with Cast Blaster.